Hello, everybody, and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm Josh, and today I'm talking about Sweep of the Heart by Alona Andrews. So let's host the magic of books. First off, this was just so much fun to read. I always loved the Innkeeper series by Alona Andrews, and this book was no exception. Now, this book was published weekly on their website or on their blog, and then it was later compiled to be a book, so there were some edits in between when it was compiled and when it wasn't. The ebook that I read has the kind of a almost a summary or like a what happened last time at the beginning of every chapter not a spoiler don't worry and i like that could have done without it though as well maybe i'll go in and and fix that on minor maybe not i'm also going to talk just a teeny bit about the novella that comes right before this sweep with me it wasn't big enough to do a full episode on but i did want to just touch on a couple things that i just thought were hilarious there this book continues on it is good writing. It's nicely paced. This one is different, though, and um, I don't want to spoil it until I get to the spoiler section, but needless to say, this one has a very interesting kind of plot structure or just an interesting way of going about it where we've kind of got our inciting incident and our finishing incident, and they are almost completely separate from, like, the bulk of the book. And you might be thinking, well, that just sounds weird, and why would you set it up like that? And they set it up like that because this is the story they wanted to tell, and they're accomplished storytellers, so they get to do that, right? Now, am I going to criticize it? No, I didn't think it was bad. I At parts, did I forget about why they were really doing it? Yes. But did the characters ever forget? No. And they talked about it, and they made sure I remembered why they were doing the things they were doing. And so I appreciated that. Now let's talk about a little bit about our, our my characteristics here. We'll start with characters. I thought the characters were very well done. All of the characters that we see, the new ones, there's a lot. We get a lot of good story here with these characters and a lot of good emotions and desires and stuff. They worked really well. I really like the, the name of this episode for what will come later. But Sweep of the Heart makes really good sense for this book, and I appreciate that. Just like Sweep of the Blade last time was about Maud and, and her vampire, right? The atmosphere of this book, I mean, we're always in the ends. We've got that feeling. But I do feel like she makes, Alona Andrews makes this come alive. These scenes that you see where we're experiencing certain things with them, I really think they do that good. Now, the writing, I have to say, I, I do want to compliment. I think the writing was done really well because while we're able to kind of keep this overhead thread going throughout the book... We also have like what the characters are dealing with right now. And the fact that they were able to write this as a web serial, basically. I mean, that's what it was. It was basically written as a web serial. One chapter a week. Or I don't remember if it was a full chapter every week, but one part a week. And then later compiled into a book. Now, things you run a risk with a lot of time is this, is if you write for the every week, then you have a lot of ups and downs. Kind of every book, every chapter has to end on a kind of a cliffhanger almost to get to the next section. Now, that doesn't mean it has to. It's just something that can and frequently does occur when you're writing to a weekly crowd. You have to have enough action in each chapter, but not enough, but not too much action so that you have too many down weeks, per se. And then it's just the style of writing a web serial is very different than writing a, an actual book. Now, I think these are blended pretty well. Maybe there's a couple things that I could really try and point to if I had to, but I don't think I need to. They were very good. The plot was good. We learn, we learn a lot and we don't learn enough at the same time, which is always the best way. There are some things that I didn't think we were ever going to learn that we learned in this book. There's some other things that we figure out that happen. Just amazing. My investment, I mean, it's always sky high for the Innkeeper Chronicles. I love them. I got to keep reading them. I so want them to figure out what's going on. Um, spoilers for the first couple books if you haven't read those or listened to any episodes on them. But are we going to finally figure out what happened to Dina's parents? You know, are we getting the band back together? 
That's what I'm hoping for in this next one. Now, Logic, yes, they followed all the innkeeper rules. I didn't find anything terribly different. Things made sense. Really enjoyed that. And of course, my enjoyment was over the moon and back when I finally started reading this. I don't know why I always wait when I want to read a good book, but I do. And it's my own fault. And I need to work on that. But that's on me, you guys. So if you have a book that you want to read and you think you'll like it, just go read it. You'll probably like it if you think you will. Now let's get into the spoiler plot of this book. The This is your spoiler warning. We're going to talk about everything. And as you know me, I'm going to go from here to the end, back to the beginning, and then all throughout the middle. So I hope you're ready for it. I can't say your opening scene, but the kind of the premise of this story is that Wilmos has been kidnapped. We don't know why, we don't know how, but then we find out he's been kidnapped by an ad hall. Now this was hilarious. They, they find a rogue werewolf on Earth. They send her back through the portal. They are looking for, you know, what happened to Wilmos. They come across a sphinx. Now, the sphinx obviously says, you know, solve my riddle and I'll give you your answer that you're looking for. Dina's like, don't anybody answer him. Don't say anything to him at all. He'll take anything as an answer, even if it's not right. And so they're like, okay, we won't say anything. But then the female werewolf's like, no, I will do it because that will show that I can be, you know, a good person for Sean, who's, you know, basically the head werewolf. Everybody loves him and wants him to start leading them. But he's like, no, I want to just be with Dina, do my innkeeper stuff, like, leave me alone. So she answers, she says yes to the Sphinx's riddle, and the Sphinx asks a question. I'm like, oh, I know this answer. And then... um Dina's like, okay, just wait here. And she runs and she gets the cuckoos, who are from the the previous book, the the novella uh, Sweep With Me. So funny. They are chickens, but they have hands and arms. Just There's a picture of them online. You can go search them out. But they are scholars and they like to fight. And in the, the novella, they're, have, they're trying to decide, you know, which branch of their two things is the most legit branch and so they have these fights and when their debates get too heated they actually start actually fighting and one of them brought a grenade in last time it was just hilarious but in regards to this book she goes and finds the first scholar who she had hosted at the end and she's like first scholar help me out there's a sphinx and so the sphinx gives her the riddle and then the first scholar he looks at it and he's like aha this is the answer it's silence and then the sphinx gets mad and then it's like okay well answer this riddle and so he yes the sphinx asks another question and the the first scholar is like, oh, here's the answer. And then he's not even, the Sphinx isn't even done ans- asking the next question. And the, the first scholar answers it. And then the first scholar is like, let me save you some time. And then I'll just read it because it's so funny. Um, yes. I have one color, but many sizes. I touch you, yet you never feel me. Light gives me existence, darkness, a shadow, the first scholar sighed. Let me save you the trouble. Wind, time, self, light, youth, fire. Shall I continue? The Sphinx stared at him, mute. A few seconds passed. How? The Sphinx managed, uh, finally. Basically, he was just going through his philosophy book and, like, coming up with these riddles here. And and the first scholar got it. And then he uh, brings a lecture and he starts lecturing all these other uh, cuckoos who had been with him. He finally learns that Wilmos has been captured and sent through a portal to Caron, a planet that's just completely destitute. You can't live there. Nobody's there at all. So they don't know how or why somebody took him to Caron. They call up their good buddy George, who's the Arbiter. And it's hilarious because he's finally gotten married and he loves his wife Sophie, but she has a a two-month work limit to finish his jobs. It's just funny, the whole situation. You have to read it, but they love each other, and that's all that really matters, right? So George puts them in touch with the Sovereign of the Seven Stars, and if that sounds familiar to you, that is where Caldinia is from. There are two kind of sovereigns over there, and Caldinia used to be a part of one of them until she murdered her brother, the ruler of the other one, uh, the other you know, Seven Star Galactic um, thing. 
and got exiled here. Well, didn't exile. She's living here in hiding until somebody comes and takes her from it and sells her for a lot of money. But we're going to learn more about Cadenia. And that was awesome to learn. But I'm running out of time. It turns out we are going to be reading about The Bachelor Innkeeper style. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute, really? It's like a Bachelor scene episode? Yes, yes it is. The Sovereign is looking for a mate, looking to create, a, basically, to, he'd mix his genes with somebody else's. They'd have a kid. That person would kind of be in charge of raising the kid. He would become the next Sovereign. When Kosandian, the current Sovereign of the Dominion, see, I remember my names, dies. And then he would, or retires, right? He'd become the next one. And he does the spousal selection. He goes through it, tries to find the best spouse. Um, they have three trials. Uh, date night kind of a thing. It's hilarious. Let's just talk about all of the people who have who are participating in this thing. So we have Amphi, who comes from uh, a system inside the Dominion. We have Bastada, a vampire. Cyanide, a snow leopard cat from a different planet that like talks and everything, so it's intelligent, right? We have Alenda, who is an Uma, which is the same race as his mother, trying to play on that. It's just hilarious. We have Und, who is a fish. That was so funny. Like, I'll, we'll talk about that, of course. We have the Dome Common. And that, there's a hilarious joke about the Dome Common because they have super stretchy necks, almost like the Owl House, if you've ever seen it. So it's, they're creepy and everybody gets creeped out by them and they get creeped out by all of us, right? They're hilarious. And then you have the Douchegubs, who are, they have a, a better name for themselves, but nobody can pronounce it because they're just living, violent, murderous trees. They know what emotions are. They know that people exist and have feelings. They don't care. They just want to murder everybody. They are hilarious the whole time. They're like, proposal, you choose our candidate or we murder you. And Kosandian's like, hmm, counter-proposal, you go sit back down and I don't murder your entire planet. And they're like, okay, we'll take that. Just, they're hilarious. And for the whole time, Dina's like, anytime a Dushigev has ever stated an inn, somebody has died. Whether a Gushabub, a Dushigev, or one of us. It's just so funny. Now, they do make it through this entire thing without killing or losing anybody, which was awesome. We have Lady Wexen from the Temple of Desire, and we have, nope, that's her, Unessa from the Dushigubs, who are the trees, but she is just a person, so they've obviously kind of crafted her to be that. Now, they are so funny. Oh, and I, excuse me, I forgot to, I forgot, Nakati, a psionic elf, and Pirin Ol, a philosopher, and Surkar, the Otrokar, from the Hope Crushing Horde, right here to gain the Emperor's favor, because the Emperor, if you make it through, when you, when you get around, you get a minor ask, and then if you get chosen, you get a major ask, right? They are so funny. Okay, so let's just talk a little bit about some things before we get there. The The three trials were awesome. One of the trials is basically playing a giant civilization game. That was hilarious. Uh, one other one is a talent show which and a debate, right? That was just hilarious. The debates were so funny, so on point. And so, like, you could feel these characters have, like, real, like, things. They are not just, like, cardboard cutouts for everything. Well, Unessa's a cardboard cutout because she's basically like, hey, I'm here to breed with you. Let's just go, you know, do it. And obviously that's not what Kosandian is all about. So, so funny. But Und, the fish, he has, they have a tank that can move for them. But for his talent show, he does, like, an hour-long fish dance in a small bowl, right? And it's just like, yeah, come on, let's move it on. Everybody's getting a little tired of watching you swim around. Like, it's basically super fish jazz hands for an hour it's just hilarious to read about you guys you have to go read it now there's a lot of funny ones you know people get sent out get sent home and this whole time it, it really is like the bachelor but you're engaged in it i've personally never been really that engaged in watching a bachelor bachelorette tv show reading about it uh, with the lona andrews writing it was a different story it was just fine 
because there's magic and there's fighting and there's other things going on now. Oh, something I wanted to talk about at the very beginning of the book. Dina waiting for Oro, their cook, to uh, go take a nap for about an hour so that she can cook Sean a special cake because he went out to go get some more lumber because apparently Gertrude Hunt is expanding and opening a new rift to another world. Like, that's exciting. But the scene of her doing that and trying to rush it and plan it and cook it and have it ready for him, it's just amazing. Touches my heart and warms me up. Now, this is kind of the craziest part of this book, aside from the final chapter, which was pretty crazy. But we learn all of Caldinia's backstory. And if it's not the most touching, like... Because Caldinia has never appeared to be a bad person. She's kind of dedicated and ruthless and always like, well, can I eat that person or can I do this? And, you know, she's just kind of that like uber rich person who's a little bit out of touch, but not quite. But Caldinia is amazing. She, her family had a genetic, you know, sickness basically induced into them. And her brother was going to be, you know, it was going to be inflicted, not inflicted, but activated in him, which would cause him to die. And it would be very obvious why he died. And then it would cause... Cosandian to also lose the throne and most likely his life. So Caldinia murders her brother because he wants her to, right? Because he, the brother wanted her to, with so that without a doubt, everybody knows Caldinia killed him. So there is no need for a an autopsy, basically, or to say like, well, let's see if it was something else that actually killed him, right? And then to get sent home, it was just like, oh my gosh, that is so like touching. I mean, not touching because obviously she didn't want to kill her brother, but like that she did it to save. Cosandia because she loved him so much and she's playing these manipulation games inside the the inn the whole time and she's like hey uh it's so funny when she sees it she's like oh this is gonna be so great the spousal selection and then she's like oh it's the dominion and she sees him and then she kind of pauses and freaks out for a second but like without actually freaking out because she's that cool now there's so there's so many funny parts here but i'm going to try and just get a couple of them uh when sukar the uh the otokar from the hope crushing court he's going up to give a debate and they're like you know, what is best in life? And he does the Conan the Barbarian thing, you know, to crush your enemies, to slaughter their armies, to see your enemies flee before you. It's just hilarious. And then he challenges Cosandian to a duel. And Cosandian's like, all right, fine. And he like sends him, he walks down the steps and he doesn't even take like four steps before he just like brutally beats up Surkar, the Otrokar. And Surkar's like, what is just happening to me? Like, this is crazy. Now, so many funny things going on. Turns out there was a secret attempt to assassinate Cosandian. They handle it, of course. That part was fun, but not that fun. Uh, Pierden Ol, the philosopher, he's like, everybody's like, oh yeah, he was the assassin. I could tell right away. A philosopher who's talking about being a, who's talking about a world killing thing moving from planet to planet and can he ever be redeemed? He might as well have stamped like conflicted assassin on his forehead, right? Like, it's just so funny. And then, okay, I think we're going to have to move on to the, okay, one more thing about the end. They kind of enlist Officer Marais to help out a uh, little bit of outside security, right? And his wife is like, what are you doing? They said you're taking off time and you're here working and who are you seeing at the end? And she's like, oh no, just come in. And they're like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a thing. Pretty funny. So let's talk about the end of the chapter. So they go to Caron to save Wilmos. They're separated. The Sebastian North, I guess is his name, is talking to Dina and he's like, take your inn, take your werewolf, go away. I'm going to go destroy all the inns. And he had an inn die as well, apparently, but he killed his own inn. How could you kill your own inn if you had this kind of connection? This is, it's intense. What's going on here? And it turns out that he had brought Magnolia Green, the inn that she grew up in with her parents, her parents' inn, and had it in Caron. And it was dying, of course, because it had no no guest to support it. And it was being corrupted by whatever has corrupted him and corrupted these other ad halls. 
and she's fighting with him over it. And, you know, he, Sebastian Orr, is like trying to force Gertrude, or not Gertrude Hunt, but Magnolia Green's life magic to him. And Magnolia Green's like, oh no, I like Dina. Dina's my girl. And she gives it up willingly to her. Oh, it's just like so beautifully written how this inn is, is like so conflicted, not conflicted on purpose, but like half of its magic has to go this way and the other half it's willingly giving up for something else. And we learn that her parents are still alive because Sebastian North comments that your dad is the wanderer and the wanderer is in my way. And his goal is to destroy all the inns and kill all the Adhals. But why? And where's her parents? And how come they haven't figured anything out yet? And then, that's just so intense. But then Magnolia Green gives up a cutting. Not a seed, a cutting. And they, they merge it into uh, Gertrude Hunt as she's as Gertrude Hunt is expanding into a new plane. And, and it goes and creates this huge, beautiful tree. And they end up landing on uh, Dacen, the home planet of House Kraher, which is, you know, if you don't remember what happened in the last book, House Sweep of the Blade, that's where uh, Maud and jo- or Klaus are. Maud and Klaus, her siblings are. So the band is getting back together and they're going to figure out what happened to her parents. Of course, they save Wilmos, but Wilmos is mostly... An afterthought at this point. He's mad about that, but not really. You know how it goes, you know. But you know what's really important to the story. And of course, to touch it all off, there's the beautiful love story between Lady Wexen and Gosendian, where he's basically engineered all of this so that she could be a part of it, so that he can choose her. And she's like, oh, he'll never choose me. I'm too vicious. I'm too violent. Because she's actually not just from the Temple of Desire, but she's the Lady of Vengeance from the Temple of Desire, right? Takes out the assassins all on her own. She kicks butt. Pretty hilarious and great. And so I think that's, uh, it was just a fun book. I really loved it. You guys should go read it if you haven't read it already. And if you have and you're listening to the end of this podcast, if you haven't read it, I mean, you're listening to the end, you need to go read it first next time. But uh, that's going to wrap up my discussion of Sweep of the Heart by Alona Andrews. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. If you have any questions or comments, please send those to libromancypod at gmail.com. If you got a good book you think I should read, send it there as well. I'll uh, put it into the list. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. It always helps. And remember to host the magic of books. Mm-hmm.